Cape Talk. A worldview from London with Adam Gilchrist. Oh, good morning, Adam Gilchrist. Hope you've been well. Let's talk and let's first start at the, the ongoing mm. war in Israel, Gaza. Um, it's been described as a horror in Gaza. Two major agencies express their concern over ongoing attacks in Gaza. Yeah, the World Health Organization, excuse me, and Médecins Sans Frontières. I mean, there are plenty of other aid agencies and, and organizations who are talking about the suffering and pain, but they in particular have come forward uh, talking about how, uh, as the WHO put it, the war between Israel and Hamas is hard to fathom. Their spokesman, Christian Lindmeier, said nothing justifies the horror being endured by the civilians in Gaza. Of course, the it's one side of the story. We know why Israel's doing it, because of the terrible atrocities committed on its civilians. But a month later, and with a death toll now estimated at about 10,000, 40% of them children, 4,000 children in that figure, it is believed. Uh, it is still uh, hard to fathom, absolutely. Nothing justifies the horror, he said. And indeed, dozens more reported killed overnight. We know that Israel is now talking about its ground forces encircling Gaza City and moving in. Uh, this isn't getting better anytime soon. And a lot of world leaders uh, have uh, called for a pause, but very few for a ceasefire. Uh, there's a subtle difference between the two, which I think we've covered before. But uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe the pause isn't necessary now. Let's not leave it. Uh, where does Israel stand on this? Are they not losing friends? I know that South Africa has taken a bit of a stance, but you'd think maybe America could do a bit more. Joe Biden's talked about a pause, but is there more he could do? That's right. Look, it's leading us into a, a, a territory about how do we cope, and some of us need something a bit stronger to cope. But there is concern that mm. wine in the world is in yeah. decline. It appears 2023 has been a very poor year for wine production. Yeah, and it's the usual suspect. It's the weather that has uh, caused it. I mean, it often is. Wine producers must spend their entire time looking up, going, is that a cloud? Is it going to rain? Do I want it to rain? I'm not sure. Uh, certainly, the International Organization of Vine and Wine, splendid title, the IOVW, they have said that wine production across the world is likely to be 7% lower. It doesn't sound an enormous difference, but yeah, well, what's that? What are we talking there? One in 14 bottles, more or less, won't be there. And it is poor weather, both in the northern and southern hemispheres. That's the weird thing, I guess. It's not just one wine market that's been hit. It's a combination of storms, heavy rain, flooding, frost and drought in various parts of the world at the wrong time of the year, etc. So wine production is down generally, for instance, across the EU, down 14% in Spain down 12% in Italy, down 20% in Chile, down 14%, I believe, in South Africa, according to some stats from a couple of months ago or so. Uh, though, strangely, wine production is unchanged in France and is actually up in the USA. So, overall, ooh, we look at that, and apparently it's good news, because despite the drop in production, in fact, demand has slightly dropped. Therefore, prices are unlikely to go up or down, which is probably a good thing. And given that the last bad yield year, I mean, really bad yield year was 1961, it produced some of the great all-time wines. A Chateau Lafitte 61 will set you back multiple 
multiple hundreds of thousands of rand. Um, so let's drink to that. It could be a great year, <laughs> potentially. I just hope uh, the yields of uh, three things, uh, well, two things agriculturally, uh, barley, hops, and we just need water. I hope that stays absolutely <laughs> stable. Ah, too much of it, maybe, in some parts. Nothing others, yeah. And then right, finally, um, Colombia's treasure hunter. So there's a push to uh, to recover the bounty of a sunken galleon. We're talking about uh, the, the historic uh, San Jose galleon. Yes, that's the one. Sunk 315 years ago and believed to be carrying 11 million gold coins. Uh, quick calculation there will tell you, ooh, blimey, that's worth a lot. Uh, 200 tonnes of gold and silver. Everything seemed to be gold and silver in this. Anyway, precious stones also worth about, in total, 360 billion rand. That's my calculation from what they said, $20 billion worth of loot on that Spanish galleon that sits at the bottom of the Caribbean. So Colombia and the government is now saying, right, let's go full steam ahead. Let's not listen to any of the arguments about whose it is. The trouble is, whose it is is tricky. The treasure on board is thought to include some of it from Bolivia and the forced enslavement of a Bolivian tribe to mine the stuff in the first place. Some of the emeralds, though, come, come from Colombia. The gold coins may have come from Mexico, but were essentially Spanish. The ship is also a grave. 600 Spanish souls from three centuries ago. Plus, the ship was sunk by the Royal Navy, who were trying to take it for themselves at the time. I mean, who says colonialism doesn't pay? Um, Colombia is playing the old finders keepers rule of the ocean and it might be working. I just recently listened to a podcast on on, on, on Cortez and, and Mesoamerica and just in looking, searching for El Dorado and searching for gold. I'm, I'm very, very glad that this, this story and this um, the salvaging of this wreck comes at this particular time because I'm currently in a oh. phase of, of, of now rereading on um, the Conquistadors and, 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 and Mesoamerica. So thanks so much for this. Uh, Adam Gilchrist is back with us tomorrow. Hope you have a good one. Cheers then.